So we're continuing on Bori 26, and in the last half of it, we looked at this idea of Amul, this invaluable, priceless trade of Naam, and the enlightened beings who were trading in that Naam, and their dealings with the world, and the very way in which they interacted with the world was this priceless exchange. Once you know the Naam, then Naam becomes a thing that you share with the world. So Guru goes on to say that this priceless thing is Amullo Amul, the most invaluable of all priceless things. Amullo Amul, invaluable amongst the priceless, Akya Najai, cannot be spoken of and cannot be described. So, what can we say about the thing that is the most divine, the most priceless, the most precious, the thing that is so close and yet everywhere? How do we begin to talk about something and how do we even talk about the ones who are experiencing that divine thing? What description is going to be accurate? What words are going to be enough? Who has ever said enough? Something to be aware of is that Guruji has reiterated this point so many times now that the divine cannot be spoken of, that the divine cannot be written down, cannot be explained. So the question is, why does Guruji continue to try? Why does Guruji continue to keep on doing more and more description and then continue to explain that it cannot be described, it cannot be spoken of? Isn't everything you say always going to be incomplete? Guruji gives the answer in the next line. Amullo amul akya na jai Aak aak rahe live lai. By speaking and speaking, the one doing the speaking remains lovingly connected. Rahe live lai. Loving connection. So by continually talking about the divine, by Guruji continuing to express his expression of that divine, that very description is keeping you connected. The speaker begins to dissolve into the ocean of the divine. So even though praise is always going to be incomplete, even though everything you say is always inaccurate, it's always only half of what can be explained. Everything that you say is probably going to be missed by the people listening anyway. But Guruji isn't always singing the praise for other people to listen to. Guruji is singing the praise because that allows the speaker to go into that divine experience. It is the way you remain connected with your beloved. So by describing, the description alone takes the speaker 
on a journey. The speaker gets lost and enters into a meditation. So we can call this a describing meditation. When we think about meditation, we always think of only one type of meditation, that is to sit down and to keep silencing the mind. But the Guru has given us lots of different techniques and the Guru's technique is one of speaking, one of singing, one of praise and joy and celebrating. And here Guruji is using this describing meditation. And this is actually something we can all relate to. When you're away from your loved one, when you've been separated from your beloved, then at that time, simply uttering their name and what you love about them brings that feeling of that love back to you. That connection that you have with your loved one comes back simply when you talk about them, when you describe them. So even though they may be far away, the joy that you feel being in their presence starts to come back just by talking about them, just by reciting their name. So just by describing, we can start to feel that closeness. And that's something that we can all understand and something that we can all relate to. So this is where it all comes back down to us, to you, the seeker, the one looking. When all is said and done, when all the knowledge that we've learnt, when everything that you've heard has been understood, when you put all that knowledge aside, the question still remains, how are you going to be connected? What is your method of connecting with this thing? Whether it's through singing, through kirtan, through listening, by reciting a mantra, by seeing it and remembering it in everything that you see around you, what is your commitment to that connection that you've been blessed to learn about? All of this knowledge that we have, that we've been discussing, all of this knowledge has to be internalized into an expression, into an experience, into an emotion. And we can be tempted to be satisfied with just knowing about this, but Guru is constantly expressing and being connected and feeling this. So what do we do? What can we do? What will you do? And in describing about that oneness, that thing that cannot be described, Guru now goes on to talk about who else describes this oneness. What are the other different spiritual sources that have been describing the divine? Who else has been trading in this priceless trade of Nam? Guru goes on to say, Akhe Ved Paat Puran, Akhe Pade Karhe Vakyan. So the Ved part, the descriptions, the prayers within the Vedas, the four Vedic scriptures, 
they are also describing this divine. And the Puran, the 18 Puranas, they are also speaking of this oneness. Akhe Ved Paat Puran, Akhe Pade Karhe Vakyan, and so are the ones who are reading these Veds and these Purans. They are also in praise of the Divine. The ones who read the part, the ones who read the scriptures and contemplate on them and describe them and discuss them. Vakyan, the ones who preach them. Speak those who read and narrate. They are also ultimately only speaking about the Divine. So the ancient Indian scriptures have always described this oneness as priceless. And the ones who read them, the ones who explain them, they are also describing this oneness that is priceless. Akhe Barme Akhe Ind Akhe Gopi Tay Govind The Brahmas and the Indras The word Barme is plural here. The Brahmas and Ind also is written here without an Ankar. So it is not just Indra, the king of demigods, the king of kings, it is all the king of gods, all the various kings, and all the gopis and the govins. So Brahma is known as the creator of the Vedas. The Vedas are said to have been written by Brahma himself. So not only are the Vedas describing the praise of the Oneness, Brahma who is said to have written the Vedas is also praising the Oneness. But Guruji says that there isn't just one Creator God. There are countless Creator Gods. In every culture throughout mankind's history, they have had a God of creation and a God of destruction. So Guru is saying all the gods from all the cultures, there isn't just a single one of them. Nobody owns the monopoly on the gods. Everyone has an idea of what the gods are. And all those gods are ultimately a description and praise of that oneness. And Guruji is using this analogy of gods and goddesses, knowing that they are ultimately just a way to personify the characteristics of the divine that one supreme divine akhe barme akhe ind akhe gopi ta govind so the gopis are the milkmaids the followers of gobind gobind is another word for krishna but here guruji says speak the cowherding maids the gopis and the krishnas the plural Krishnas. So the Gurus have often talked about these mythological characters, these gods, these demigods, but the Gurus have always known their stories to be metaphors for that divine God. Even in Guru Granth Sahib Ji, we have several Shabads in praise of Krishna, in particular Bhagat Namdev Ji's Bani. But even Pagat Nam Dev Ji has always understood that there isn't a single 
God that is being chosen, who is to be seen superior to other gods. Guruji praises the Bani that is singing the songs of Krishna, knowing that it is the songs of the Divine. So Krishna is seen as a manifestation of the Divine. The Divine comes down and plays the, the role of Krishna. The Divine comes down and plays the role of Ram. So singing the praises of them within Gurbani is not to see them as separate individual beings, but just manifestations of that Divine. A particular example of this Shabad from Namdevji is singing all the praises of Krishna. But the main line says, Tan tan o Ram ben baje, madhur madhur dun anahad gaje. So great is the Ram who plays the, fruit, the flute. And then he talks about Tan tan banakhand bindra bana, the, 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 the forest in which Jekhele Siri Narayana, where Krishna played as a child, that forest is great. The blanket that he wore is great. His mother is great. All of his friends are great. But the clue is in the main line which says, Tan tan o Ram bena baje. Now, specifically the word Ram has been used. Krishna is the one who is seen as the one who plays the flute. Historically, Ram is not seen as a character who plays the flute. So there's a clue there that Namdevji is not talking about Krishna, the character, but the story that is being played out by the Divine, Ram, who's playing the song on his flute of Krishna. Tan tan o Ram benabaje. He's not saying tan tan Krishna who plays the flute. He says, I can see that behind Krishna is Ram, the ultimate, the supreme Ram, the supreme being. So within Gurbani, wherever we see praise of these demigods, we might call them, it is not praise of those characters, but to see the divine in those characters. When you can see the very thing that you're worshipping as nothing more than a manifestation of that oneness, then it makes us understand that if they are the manifestation of the oneness, then so are we. We are also not separate beings. So when we lose ourselves into praising these individual gods, then we've fallen back into duality. Then we think that Ram is separate from Krishna, Brahma is separate from Shiva. Then we fall back into duality and we think that they are separate from that Supreme. So we must understand how to view these great stories, these great characters, and we must learn from their stories. Their stories have been written to teach mankind what is the way to be supreme, what is the way to live the righteous way, the right way. What is the way to actually live a life of Taram? We can read these stories and understand them. The conversation that Krishna has with Arjun in the great Mahabharata, the great battle, that entire conversation is recorded in a granth called the Gita. That granth alone is so valuable and priceless. There is so much that we can learn from the Gita. But as long as we are are aware all the time and conscious that we're not to use this as a way to start personifying Krishna as something individual worth praising. So all the great saints have always understood the story of Krishna, the story of Ram. Ram is said to be the supreme perfect human. So 
we have to understand why are these perfect human beings? Because the way that they lived their lives, the stories that are being told about them are examples for us. Ultimately, we have to live those lives as well. Why do we tell so many stories of the Gurus? Not just to show how great they were, but because they are the benchmark. They are the template that we have to model ourselves on. The way that they lived, the characteristics that they had. So the Guru has always maintained that there's no need to worship these temporary beings, but we have to focus on the permanent truth that is in them and the permanent truth that is in us all. That's why Guruji is not talking about Krishna here, but all the Krishnas who have ever lived, all the Brahmas who have ever lived. So Isar here is the word for Shiva. But again, the word is plural. So these Shivas and all these great saints, the Siddhs, the, the Sadhus, these are also describing the greatness of the, the one divine being. And the Kete Kite Bud, the many created Buddhas, all of them, there's not just one Buddha, there are multiple Buddhas. All of them are ultimately praising that one divine, that priceless Amul divine. So this is not saying that we have to now go and follow the teachings of all of these different beings. One of the mistakes that people make within a spiritual path is that they don't commit to one particular path. They simply borrow and get tasters from every single path. But every path is valid if you commit to it. If you follow that path wholly and truly, you will get to the end destination. But if you're always jumping around, then you never really understand any particular path. You often find people who say, I used to be a Sufi, now I'm a Buddhist but I really like Sikhi as well. And so they're borrowing from lots of different things. That's them finding their path. But Guruji says the ones that have heard the message of the Guru and have stuck with one message, they say, Manne magna chale panth. They do not go, the ones who have accepted the Guru's way, do not go from one path to another path. They are fixed now on the path of Taram. Once they've understand the truth, then they stick with that truth. Then the rituals and the ceremonies and the rules and regulations of the individual paths don't become so important because you've used them as a tool to bypass them. Ultimately, all the rituals are tools that we have to move beyond to get to the ultimate taram, the ultimate truth. But you have to stick with one in order to get to that. So here Guruji is not telling us to follow the, the, the Shivas and the Buddhas, but rather to recognize that all the spiritual paths, all the spiritual masters have ultimately spoken of that one supreme ultimate being who cannot be described. They've also been Okay, they've also been speaking of this oneness. 
And in Guruji praising these spiritual paths and these spiritual masters, ultimately he's praising that divine as well. Guruji isn't praising these. He's praising his master by saying, look how many people are praising you. Look at all the Shivas, look at all the Buddhas, look at all the Brahmas, look at all the Krishnas. He's praising his divine master to say, look at the number of people, the countless people who are praising you. Akhe Danav, Akhe Dev, Akhe Sur Nara Monajan Sev. So the Danav and the Dev, the word Danav here means villains. Akhe Danav and the Devs. The Devtas, the heroes in these mythological stories, and the villains, they're also praising you. And all the Sornar, the angelic beings, the Monajan, the silent sages. Mon means mourn, the ones who are completely absorbed in silence. And the Janasev, the ones, the servants who are constantly serving. So all of these beings throughout mythological stories, including the villains, are also praising you. In the Ramayana, the Ravan character, who is seen as the villain of the story, is also described as one of the greatest Bhagats, one of the greatest meditators and saints. When Ram shot his final arrow, that was the blow that killed Ravan. Ram says to his younger brother Lakshman, he says, Lakshman, a great man is about to die. Go and be by his bedside. That even in his final words, you may gain some knowledge. You may gain something from the death of Ravan. So even the villains have been known as these great meditators and beings who are saintly and holy. Look at all of these great beings that are praising my master. So many are speaking of you and so many will speak. So many are speaking. So many will continue to speak and so many have spoken and spoken. So many spoke and spoke then got up, up and left. So Guruji has used present tense future tense and past tense Everyone and everything has been and will forever be praising and be a praise unto that divine. Guru goes on to say, Even if so many more were created and did the same, as many Buddhas and as many Shivas and Brahmas that have been created, how many Krishnas have come and gone, even if that many more were created, as many have been, if more were created, if that many more were created, 
even they could not describe, not even a few of them would be enough, would be able to describe you. There is no end to praise. Remember that we're talking about this amola praise, this priceless, invaluable oneness. No amount of description and praise is ever going to be enough to estimate its value because it is amola, it cannot be valued, it cannot be estimated. No praise is going to be enough. We heard in the previous verses, Antana sifti kehanana ant. There is no end to praise. Guru goes on to say, Jevad pave tevad hoy. And all of this is nothing but your hukam. This is your system. Remember, Guru always comes back to hukam. Guru Nanak's path is one of accepting and understanding the way the world is the way the universe has been and always will be. Accept that system. And this system is the one that's pleasing to the Divine. Jevad Pave, as is pleasing, Tevad Hoi, only that occurs. Nanak Jane Sacha Soi. Nanak recognizes all of this as that permanent one. Remember the word Sach, Sacha is always referring to that which is permanent. So even though Guru has talked about now, all the Devi Devte, all the mythological gods, Guruji is actually talking about the such within them all, that which is permanent, because those gods aren't here anymore. Their stories have come and gone. But Guru says, I'm not interested in their stories. Nanak Jane, Nanak knows the truth behind all of them, that permanent oneness that is in everything and every, everyone. Nanak Jane Sacha Soi. Nanak says this is something permanent inside them and that one only knows itself. Only that one knows its ultimate value. So we can look at this in two ways. Either Nanak is saying that I know that there is something true behind all of them, which is you, the Divine. Or Guruji is saying that all of these people have described you but ultimately, none of their descriptions are enough to know your value because you are amul, you are invaluable. So only you know yourself. Nanak jane sacha soi. The one who knows is that permanent one. Only that invaluable divine knows its own value. Jeko akhe bol vigard ta likhe sir gavara gavar. So the word here, Jeko Akhe, if one were to speak Bol Vigard, Bol Vigard are two words, not one word, and it means useless speech. Bol Vigard, that thing that is said that is completely useful, useless. If somebody was to say such a useless speech, like, I know God, I know what the value of God is, I can tell you everything about God. If somebody was to say such a useless thing, such a foolish word, ta likhiye sir gavara gavar, then it will be written on their head that they are the most foolish amongst fools. If one describes and says, I know the description, because Guru has just said that nanak jane sacha soi, that only that oneness knows, how can we know? If anybody says that they know, if they, anyone says such a bold regard, such a useless thing to say, 
ਤਾਂ ਲਿਖੀਏ ਸਿਰ ਦੈਨ ਔਨ ਦੇ ਹੈਡ ਵਿਲ ਬੀ ਰਿਟਨ ਗਾਵਾਰਾ ਗਾਵਾਰ ਫੂਲਸ ਅਮੰਗਸਟ ਫੂਲਸ another way to translate this a slight variation on this last line ta likhiye sir gawara gawar is that then their name is written as the chief amongst fools either it is written on their head sir can mean that on their head is written that they are a fool amongst fools or the sir can mean that they are the head of all the fools they are the chief they are the jathedar of all the fools ਤਾਂ ਲਿਖਿਆ ਸਿਰ then their name is written down as the chief of fools amongst fools gawara gawar that of all the gawara this is the head gawara the head fool the chief fool the supreme fool so what's the most foolish thing that you can say about the divine and it's simply this i know everything about god that alone is the most foolish thing that can be said as soon as you think you know everything that's when you're the biggest fool that's when you don't know anything see you might have had some divine experiences you might have read a lot of books you might know a lot of knowledge you might have even tasted the divine experience you might have experienced a lot of depth in your meditation but understand that what you have tasted is like tasting a single grain of sand and then saying i know the entire beach of all the grains of sand in the world i know all of them because i've tasted this one it's the tip of the iceberg whatever you know is nothing more than the tip of the iceberg if you think of an iceberg they say an iceberg floating on the sea the large mass of ice that you can see is always 10% the other 90% is underwater so even though what you can see looks so grand and huge what you can't see is the 90% so much more left for you that you haven't been able to explore and because we experience things in meditation because we have personal understandings and experiences those things are so overpowering those things are so useful to us they've had such significance in our lives that we think this is the most important thing that our experience is the one that is better than anyone else's and because we think that we think we we know something but remember this line that you will be the king of fools remember yourself as always the king of fools then you will never have the audacity to say that i know remember guruji is always talking about the system of the divine right in the beginning when guru was talking about hukam nanak hukme je bujhe if you really understood you wouldn't talk about your own greatness you wouldn't talk about how much you know because once you understand what you're talking about then it's not about you then it's about that divine so if you really understood anything you'd keep quiet so think about it this way even though the drop of water is in the ocean the drop of water itself can never know the ocean 
even though the drop is one with the ocean, the single drop can never know the entirety of the ocean. It can only merge into that ocean. So let's look at this idea of we not knowing and the divine only knowing itself. Since the end of Pauri 21, we've heard Guruji say time and time again that it only knows itself. In Pauri 21, we heard, Kiv kar akha, kiv salahi, kyo varni, kiv jana. How can I say, how can I praise or describe, how can I know? Nanak akhan sab ko akhe, ikdu iksyana. Nanak says, becoming talkers, everyone talks and everyone thinks that they know. Everyone thinks that their understanding is cleverer than everyone else's. Vada sahib, vadi nai kita jaka hove. But grand is the master, grand is its praise, and only what it does happens. Nanak jiko apo jane age gyana sohe. Nanak, if one thinks that they know themselves, if one thinks that they themselves know, then going forward they will not be honored. So in Pauri 21, Guruji has already covered this idea that we can't know anything. In Pauri 22, Guru Nanak Devji says, Nanak vada akhiya ape jane ap. Nanak is saying that you are great, you are grand. And everyone says that it is great and grand, but nobody knows how grand. That much, it only knows itself. In Pauri 24, Guruji said, Jevard, Aap, Jane, Aap, Aap. Only you know yourself. Nanak, Nadri, Karmidad. Nanak, that graceful one, graces its gifts. In Pauri 25, Guru says, Ape, Jane, Ape, De. It itself knows and it itself gives. And only few people are able to speak of this. So what is the reason for time and time and time again for the last five verses for Guruji to keep making this one point that only it knows itself? Why does Guruji feel the need to repeat the same point so many times? Is this just humility? Is this just poetic license for Guru to write however he feels fit in something in a poetic style? Or is there something more? I think this reveals the final step of the process of losing your ego, of your own personal transformation on this journey. This is the indicator, this is the surrendering of everything of yourself to constantly say, I know nothing. So it means that then the definition of a follower of the Guru, the definition of a Sikh, the definition of a learner is to say, I know nothing. Because Guru has constantly said, I cannot know, only you know. So when you give up the idea that I know, when you completely accept and know that I know nothing, not that what I know is irrelevant, but that I actually don't know. Because who is the one knowing? If there is a knowing, then there is a one who is holding on to that knowing. The one that says, I am. I am knowledgeable. So this, I think, is the final step of just repeating this idea that I just don't know anything. What can I know? So you're surrendering all of your understanding. And the point at which you feel you know, Guruji has labeled us as the king of fools. 
So, so deep should be our relationship, our connection. So deep should be our commitment that that devotion leads to our own destruction. Our devotion has to lead to the point at which not that we obtain the divine, but we lose ourselves into the divine. So much so that you're just left profoundly speechless and just in awe of that divine oneness. And you'll notice in present moment awareness, you just have to look at a rainbow, at a waterfall, at a sunrise, and you're speechless. Now think about the one who is the sun of all suns, the one that is in every sun. They say the sun around which planet Earth circulates is one of the smallest suns in the galaxies. The suns are infinitely bigger and we're in awe just of the tiny sun that the tiny Earth orbits around. So Guruji is in awe of this thing that is the creator of everything, that creative power that has created everything. So we have to be so still in our mind that we're in awe by every moment, by everything that we see, by everything that we trade with, everything that we come into contact with should be this priceless trade. Guruji has almost now described what is the experience of that priceless trade. Everything is an expression of your awe, of your wonderment. See, when we come to search our own ego, when we try and understand ourselves, we realize how little we even know of ourselves. When we go further and further and delve into why we think the way we think, what are the memories and past experiences that have led us to behave the way we do now, when we start unearthing just our own experiences in our own tiny lives, and we realize how little we've actually understood of ourselves, then what can we know of this divine? It takes a lot just to know your own mind, to know your own life. And still, even when we think we've understood our minds, then we get lost in our minds again. We forget time and time again. So we continue to act in our own selfish way day after day. So if we don't know anything about ourselves, if we have no control over ourselves, what do we think we know about the creator of everything, of all time, of all space? You know, we don't even know very much about the universe. Even science today is in its infancy. The first space rockets only went up in space around the 1940s and 50s. So, what is left to be explored, it's almost the exploration hasn't even been started. What we know of the universe is minuscule. So, this idea that we know must be surrendered. The idea that you have gained some knowledge has to be given up. Because the moment in which you gain some knowledge and you hold on to that idea that I know, what you say to everyone else in your thoughts and in your actions and in the way that you trade and deal with everyone else is say, I know and you don't know. That makes us the fool, the king of fools. The point at which we trade with someone else in a way that says, I know more than you. When we don't even know ourselves, how can we know more than anyone else? So we always have to be really 
cautious when entering in any debates, any religious arguments, any spiritual vichar. Because anything that you understand is from your very limited perspective. And two people debating are debating from two different limited perspectives. Neither of them know the whole and yet they're just debating from one angle. It's like the children's story that you get of all the blind men holding on to different parts of the elephant and shouting at each other saying, no, the elephant is like this. One person's holding the tail and says, oh, it's, it's thin and long. Someone's holding on to the tusk and saying, no, it's hard and strong. So all the different parts that people are holding on to, the bits that they understand, they say, this is it, this is what the, the elephant looks like. And we do the same with spiritual knowledge. We can debate with everyone from other traditions and say, no, our guru is right, our way of thinking is right. The guru may be correct, but what we know of the guru is limited. What we even know of our guru's wisdom is always going to be limited. So you're debating from the limited perspective of your own understanding. So knowledge is not the key to unlocking the divine. Knowledge is not the answer. Knowledge is the vehicle. Remember the Guru Granth Sahib Ji is full of knowledge, full of jnana. It is said that it is an ocean of wisdom. But that wisdom is not for you to collect. That wisdom is to carry you across. You don't hold on to the wisdom once you reach the other end. Remember how many times Guru has used this analogy of the Guru being a boat? Once you get to the other side, you don't take the boat with you. You have to let it all behind, leave it all there. And you have to surrender everything. So you can't hold on to this knowledge of the Guru. The knowledge is the boat that carries you across. But the knowledge shouldn't be hold, held on to. Once you hold on to the knowledge, then you hold on to the one. You're remaining on the boat. You're saying, I'm happy in the boat. What is the purpose of a boat to get you to the other side? If you're so happy with the boat, you say, I'm just going to stay here. The very purpose of the boat is not being fulfilled then. The very purpose of the boat is to get you to the other side. But then you have to get off. So we can't limit ourselves and say, you know what, I'm going to learn everything in Guru Granth Sahib Ji and that's it, I'm going to know all that knowledge. No, the Guru wants you to transform yourself. The purpose of the knowledge of the Guru is that you liberate yourself from your bondage, from your attachments, from your bondage, from your attachments in life. You have to be graced with the knowledge to move beyond that. Let's think about a very simple analogy. If you know everything about a cake, take the example of a particular cake, you know everything about it, how to bake it, what the ingredients are, what the quantities are to use, what it should look like in the beginning, what it should look like in the end, how long to bake it. None of that knowledge comes close to somebody who gets to eat the cake. Your understanding of the cake, when you eat it, transcends all the knowledge of somebody who just knows everything about it, how to bake it. And for the person 
eating the cake, they don't want to hear your stories about how you baked the cake and what the ingredients are and because they're enjoying the taste of the cake. The taste alone is enough. They don't want to hear all the babble and everything that went into it. In fact, at that point of tasting the cake, the knowledge of it is just an interference. When I'm enjoying the cake, let me enjoy the cake. I don't need to know everything about how you made it. So the one who is enjoying the cake, the knowledge is irrelevant. They don't want to hear your lectures about the cake. And rather, they would want you to keep quiet and say, why don't you just taste the cake as well? Your babbling, your ball of regard, your knowledge is ruining the moment. Just eat the cake. And when I eat the cake and when you eat the cake, then I don't need to say anything. Then I just look at you and I know that you know, because we've both enjoyed the taste of the cake. Do you see how limiting knowledge is compared to experience? And once you've enjoyed the taste of the cake, what can you say? Guru talks about this as being gunge ki mithyai, like eating something so delicious, but being, being completely unable to say anything about it. But there's a joy on your face, and you just know. And when somebody else who's also tasted that cake, when they know, you can see the joy on their face because they know. And when you don't have the cake, then you can talk about the cake. Then simply talking about the cake becomes part of that way of bringing that enjoyment back, that flavor back, that zest. That comes back as soon as you start describing it. But you have to describe from a place of having tasted it first. And even then when you've tasted it, you may not be able to make that cake yourself. Tasting is not the equivalent of knowing. And knowing is not the equivalent of tasting. So in describing, having tasted, having known the taste of it, that's when we can go back into that euphoria, into that wondrous play of just enjoying, savoring the moment. Years may go by and you may still be talking about that one cake. And every time you talk about the cake, every time you describe, the describing itself is like a meditation. It brings you back into that bliss. And I think we'll leave it there. Why Guruji Ka Khalsa? Why Guruji Ki Fateh? Mm-hmm.